The follow presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access. Your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and Art Van Furniture and Mattress. And welcome into another edition of Bears All Access. I'm Jeff Joniak along with broadcast partner Tom Thayer. I am covering Super Bowl 54 in Miami. And good to be with you, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing good, Big Jeff. A little envious of you being down there only in the warm weather. I like being here on behalf of the Chicago Bears with Bears All Access. But again, um, you know, the first highlight I see of anybody getting interviewed, I see you in the background of the Robbie Gold interview. So <laughs> you're you're always in the picture, Jeff. No, 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 not by not by choice. Let me let me assure you that that was uh, opening night last night. So uh, that was something that uh, you know you you were going to be guaranteed to talk to Robbie Gold. And uh, it's interesting, you know, one of the things that he brought up is that he went back and went back to the 06 game, which which the Bears uh, did lose here in Miami, and he went back to look at Dave Tobe's entire coach's tape from that game and to see if he could find an edge, an angle, anything that would affect his own performance in this game 13 years later. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Would you snap, see set, kick. In that? That's Robbie's yeah, strategy. Right? Sat, <laughs> snap, <laughs> set, kick. So what, what's he looking for? Well, I think he's, you know, Robbie is a really well-rounded special team thinker. He will take punt protection. He will take the punt team kickoff return, kickoff coverage. He will look at the analytics of how the kicker is specifically hitting the ball in a majority of his kickoffs, the distance, the hang time. And those little kind of the numbers that you can factor into the kicking game, they can benefit you. And you can understand hang time. You can understand the positioning that the kicker's trying to put the football in. So Robbie's been around the NFL long enough now where he is not a one-dimensional kicker. He is multi-dimensional in the way he thinks of field conditions, field position, time of game, all, all the other elements that are considered by a coaching staff. Well, it is a game of uh, excellent special teams. The kickers, the punters are outstanding for this Super Bowl, the Chiefs and 49ers, and, and then the, the coverage units because of the speed on both sides. These teams are both very fast, none faster than the Chiefs. Uh, and then you got arguably uh, the best special teams coach in the National Football League in Dave Tobe, the former Bears special teams coordinator who has great memories uh, from that Miami Gardens game at Hard Rock Stadium, what it is now called, when Devin Hester took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. He says he thinks about it every day, thinks about it all the time, shows his guys the tapes, wants McCole Hardman to look at and say, hey, Hester was your favorite player, so let's see if you could pull something off like this. It doesn't have to be the opening kickoff, but it would be something special. And they have that threat every kickoff that they get, and that's one thing about Robbie Gold that can help when you look at the opponent's kicker they're probably going to try to kick it out of the back of the end zone to take away any threat of that. However, what are the conditions going to be? What is the plant foot going to be like for the kicker? Is he going to be able to get all the strength behind it to bang it into the end zone? Robbie Gold doesn't kick off for the 49ers. He is the the field goal and extra point kicker. So, you know, you have multiple feet that's involved in this battle, both when you talk about two punters and three kickers, you know, you can have a hiccup, whether it's in protection, snapping, or just the perfection of the, the way it, that the ball has to come off your foot. 
lot to discuss here about the Bears. We've got a couple of guests coming up. John Filippo, the Bears' new quarterback coach, will be joining us shortly. We'll be joined as well by Hall of Fame writer Dan Pompey at about 645. We're going to hear some Eddie Pinheiro and Patrick O'Donnell. Uh, I call them the uh, Miami Chamber of Commerce representatives because they were pitching Miami pretty well and representing. So we'll talk to those guys about what their offseason plan is and how 2019 ended for the Chicago Bears. This is Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. I'm at the Super Bowl in Miami. Tom's in studio in Chicago. And we thank you for listening here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, with you. Good to have you on this Tuesday night. I'm broadcasting from the SiriusXM studios here in Miami at Radio Row, and Tom's tucked away in Chicago at the school radio station. Thanks to the producers as well, Julio Rosales and Mike Chen. Thanks for helping us out. Pleased to be joined by the new quarterback coach of the Chicago Bears, John Filippo. Had a chance to meet him a couple of years ago with the Eagles in the Super Bowl coverage that week. Uh, John, welcome to Chicago, buddy. Hey, I appreciate it. It's great to be on with you guys, and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. You know, I was walking through the hallways here in Miami, and I was stopped twice. Uh, people wanted to talk about you, just uh, the kind of quarterback wow. coach <laughs> you have been and how respected you are. So that came out of the blue. But I, I certainly loved hearing that. I think Chicago Bears fans should be excited about that, too. That's very humbling. Um, you know, whoever stopped you, I, I want to thank them. And, and uh, obviously, you know, whenever you have that you know, reputation of being good at what you do, uh, obviously that's a good thing. And I really, I'm really can't wait to start, you know, with the Chicago Bears. Hey, John. Or experience. Sorry, Tommy. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, I'm sorry. No, you have, you have a heck of a lot of experience, obviously, yeah. with, with so many different places. Sure. You know, I, I've had a, I've had a, you know, it's, it's, it's good and bad. And I look at it as a, as a good way. I've had a lot of experience with a lot of young players and um, you know, that's just kind of been, you know, how with the situation I've been thrown into. And, and I think that's a good thing because I really think it helps you learn how to teach a bunch of young guys. And, you know, obviously Mitchell's not a, a rookie or a second year guy, you know, but at the same time, he's still kind of fresh, a fresh player in the NFL who's, you know, impressionable and, 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 you know, can, you can shape him in, thir- in certain things you want him to do. Um, so I think a lot of the young guys I've had that have had success, whether it be Derek Carr, you know, Carson Wentz, Gardner Minshew was a seven time rookie of the week, uh, rookie of the week this year. Um, I think it's going to help our team. Um, and I'm really looking forward to helping, you know, obviously coach Nagy and coach laser and, and doing what they want to do. You know, John, as Kirk Cousins calls you flip, and I'm sure we'll hear that enough sure. throughout the season. You know, family has been a big topic throughout the playoffs with all the coaching staffs in the playoffs. You, I don't think there's anybody I've read more about being raised in the football lifestyle than you have from the moment you were born in the Youngstown State area. What, what's yeah. your earliest memory of football and when you knew it was going to be an influence in your life? That's a great question. Um, I've been very fortunate the way I've been brought up. Uh, my dad and I are best friends. Uh, and, you know, when you're a coach's kid, you go one of two ways. You either love it or you hate it. And there's, there's no middle ground, okay? There's not, oh, I kind of like it. I kinda, you're either all in or you're all out, okay? 
So I'm 41 years old. This is my 22nd move when I moved to Chicago. Um, wow. And either you like that lifestyle or you don't. And I've embraced that lifestyle. I'm very fortunate. I have a wife that has helped me embrace that, you know, helped me and supported me in this lifestyle. Uh, but my earliest moment of knowing that I love football was probably when I was four or five years old. Um, they had My dad was an assistant coach at Vanderbilt, and they had a football camp there in the summer, and they let me play quarterback for one play. You know, the older kids held me up and let me and let me throw the ball, you know, and they kind of cheered me and, and held me on their shoulders. And I said, you know what, this is what I'm all about. I'm all about team. I'm all about, you know, um, football and, and what it's all about. And it's been, it's been really, really, really cool. John Filippo, our guest, the Bears' new quarterback coach here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Bears All Access presented by uh, IGS Energy. Uh, John, it's interesting, and I, I kind of drew a triangle. I, I know you were born in Youngstown, and uh, obviously yep. you moved over to Radnor, PA. So with you and Bill and Matt, it's a little triangle area of Pennsylvania. So it's right in the thick of football country. Uh, that's not by accident, I have a feeling, that the, the like-mindedness no. and what, you, what your roots are, the three of you, and others uh, that have been coaching all over the National Football League and certainly playing, uh, there's something about that region of the country. What the heck is it? You know what it is? It's a blue-collar mentality, and it's hard work, putting in a good day's work, and it's just a, a, a what you're brought up in. And um, like I said, you know, I was very fortunate to be brought up in this lifestyle and, and, and seeing, you know, what team does when you put team above self and all those things. Um, but that area of the country just has a certain way of of giving you a little bit of a blue-collar attitude. You know what I'm saying? And, and putting in a hard day's work and understanding that, hey – it's okay to work, to have a hard day's work and then go home and feel good about yourself. So there's no better place to grow up in Pennsylvania. Hey, John, you've been in this division for a little while. I mean, you've had experience mm-hmm. within the division. Do you still think this is a blue-collar division? 100%. There's no doubt. There's, there, there's no doubt. And, you know, you know, part of it is the weather. Part of it's, you know, the, the, the defenses that are in this division. Um, I think that, that gives offenses, offenses fits a little bit. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're going to have to put in a hard day's work in terms of have, trying to figure out, you know, Mike Zimmer's double-A package, you know, Matt Patricia's Okie package, you know, those things that you're going to have to figure out and, and have a good plan for because if you don't, they'll expose you. And obviously I don't want to leave out my, one of my mentors, Mike Petten, up in Green Bay, so I worked with in Cleveland. So, Coach Pett, you, you, make, you make us work hard, too. You know, also, John, you talk about the influence that Tom Coughlin has been on you. Is, sure. is, is, is it the seriousness and the time and his attention to details, or is it his football philosophy that's attracted you to him being one of your mentors? You know, Coach Coughlin and I, um, he, is, he is what I'm all about in football. And um, he – really understands team he really puts an emphasis on team he really puts an emphasis on leaving your ego at the door um he really puts an emphasis on discipline and discipline in a good way when i say discipline there's a difference between discipline and harassment uh i think there's a good way of 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 having some discipline and and you know wearing issued gear to practice and those type of things i don't think that's that's all bad i mean and some people may say that's a little old school but you know what it is what it is and Coach Coughlin's been a great resource for me throughout the years, and he's a great guy. 
We're here with John DeFilippo, the Bears' new quarterback coach here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score with Jeff and Tom breaking things down as the Bears get ready to uh, move into 2020 in great detail. Uh, what, what is it about you uh, enjoying working with quarterbacks? Um, I, I love the challenge of it every day. The fact that, you know, when you work with, with, with real guys, I mean, you've got to be prepared as a coach. And, you know, these guys want to learn and they want to know the why of things. And you better be prepared for the why of things. And there'll be times this year, there'll be, there were times in my past where, you know, a quarterback will ask me a certain question, be like, you know what, I don't know the answer to that right now, but I'll find it out for you. And that's, that's okay. And that's okay. So if you want to be challenged as a coach, I think it's very, very challenging to coach quarterbacks in, in the National Football League because there's so much to get ready for in the course of a week and, and the time that you're allotted. And I think it's just an awesome challenge, and it's fun to work with those guys because most the, the great ones want to be great and they want to learn. So it's fun to work with those guys. Hey, Coach Flip, I was watching one of your mic'd up segments, one of many, may I add, and you had a uh-huh. comment. You said the route always precedes the protection. Can right. you explain that a little bit? Because I'm, I'm an offensive lineman, and I, I kind of think about it, but I've never heard it's the sentence said that way. And Can you explain a little bit to me? Sure. Well, I think what, probably what I was saying at that time was, hey, that's a built-in. I don't know if the quarterback was hot at that time, but say we had a drag route out to the right side or the left side. The tight end's running a, a three-yard drag route. The route always precedes the protection in terms of, hey, I got to know, hey, if, I got, if it, we're in five-man protection, they're bringing two from a side, I got to get it out right now. So the route precedes the protection in terms of knowing where to go with the football in terms of certain looks that you're getting from the defense. All right. Hey, Flip, you know, Tom mentioned those videos, and uh, I think I brought this up to you when I met you uh, during the Philadelphia Super Bowl uh, mm-hmm. win. But, you know, the, the comfort you have in, in talking to people to explain the game of football from an X's mm-hmm. and O's standpoint, is, does that go back to being a coach's son? I, I think that part of it, um, I, think, I think this. Uh, I don't think this is rocket science, to be quite honest with you. I like to share information because I think that helps everybody. I think it helps you guys do your job better. It helps me do my job better. And it helps us to understand what each other are thinking and what each other, what each other are trying to accomplish. So to me, when I can share, when I can tell, you know, the media or a, a player, you know, exactly what we're trying to accomplish as a team and what we're trying, what we're thinking about, I think it helps everybody out. Hey, John, and you've you know, been. And, and one more thing, Sorry. I think it helps our fans. I really do. I think it helps our fans. I know how passionate the Chicago Bear fan base is. Um, I think any time that you can explain to our fans, you know, what we're thinking as well, I think it helps them too. You've spent a lifetime around the game of football, and you've seen the emergence of facilities that can compare to the Taj Mahal. When you back, you know, many in Philly, you've seen a couple of them. Now you come up to the new Bears facility. You see multiple fields. You see the facility. You see the offerings to not only coaches, players, and everything you've talked about. What was your initial impressions of the new Bear facility? I was wowed. I was wowed. And let me me tell you something about the facility. Obviously, that that shows you that there's – our ownership is is really serious about winning. That's what the facility tells you, number one. Number two, to formulate team, okay, the players need – and you guys know this. I mean, you guys have been around long enough. The players need to be around each other. And how do you facilitate that? You facilitate that by having them in an environment where they want to be in, okay? So our facility now offers our players – they want to be there in OTAs. They want to be there in training camp and hanging out together. They want to be there eating lunch together, having dinner together. 
instead of trying to go back to the hotel if you have a, a, a craft facility, okay, and now they're around each other more, you talk more, you be, formulate team, and I think that adds nothing but success and gives you the chance for success because that formulates team in the environment that you work in. John Filippo, otherwise known as Flip from this day forward, that works for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. You know, did, did it make it easier to interview for this job knowing a lot about the Bears already since you did yep. interview for the head coaching job? Yeah, absolutely did. And, you know, obviously I knew Coach Nagy. Um, he and I played against each other in college. And so um, we're both from Pennsylvania. Uh, he went to Delaware. I went to JMU. Uh, we played against each other in college, uh, and obviously I knew Orion Pace from the interview. You know, I interviewed for five and a half or six hours with them uh, in Philadelphia the year we won the Super Bowl. So I think the fact that not only I knew them, but more importantly in this process, they knew me. And so, um, you know, they knew what I was all about. They knew what I stood for. They knew my character, my background, um, all the background information on me that they had to do for a head coaching interview. I think that really smoothed the process out in terms of the timing of it. John, last question for me is this is probably one. I don't know if maybe it isn't, maybe it is. It's one of the more experienced staffs that Matt Nagy has put together with the years of service from Juan Castillo and Clancy and now, and now yourself and Bill. When you have that many football minds in the same room talking about offensive football, is it something that it's a continuous conversation or is it just a matter of making sure all the new guys learn the system as well as they can and then the conversations increase? That's a, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's, um, Coach Nagy obviously sets the tone in what we're trying to do and, and tells us, you know, what we're trying to do. Um, you know, this staff reminds me very similar to our 2017 staff in, in Philadelphia where we had, you know, we had Doug Peters, Coach Peterson as our head coach, and, you know, Coach Reich is our offensive coordinator. Myself as the quarterback coach. Jeff Stoutland is the offensive line coach. Deuce Staley is the running back coach. Mike Rowe is the, is the receiver coach. We had a lot of very experienced guys that had no ego. And that's what attracted me to this job most, was the experience on this staff that Coach was putting together with no ego. And our only goal is to win. And so whenever you're presented with those things, I think that can do nothing but help you in terms of the, the attractiveness of the job and wanting to be a part of that because th that, that's the name of the game. It, it, when you win, everybody gets what they want. Players, coaches, personnel people, um, everybody gets what they want when you win. And so when you have no ego and you have a lot of experience and a lot of guys that have called plays before and a lot of guys that have coached in Super Bowls and been around good teams, I think that can do nothing but help your team. Uh, I ran into uh, Andy Heck, who played for the Bears, and, and uh, Tom knows him well from Notre Dame as well. And he was talking about uh, Juan Castillo. Hasn't worked directly with him, but, but Tom, you'll appreciate this. He, he did, as a Seattle Seahawk, get a visit from Juan Castillo, who was leaving Texas A&I at that time and just trying to get in the NFL. And he, he was taken by his explicit and very direct uh, approach about technique and how it, mm -hmm. it matters. And uh, he, he said he, he never quite got the, the, the firm stamp of approval from Juan because it wasn't as perfect as he wanted, and it's still, he still thinks about it to this day. That's how much he respects him. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's so, really cool. You know, and, an you know, I, I, I've had a chance to be around Coach Castillo and admire him from afar back when I was, you know, 
back in 2005, I'm talking about when he was the O-line coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and I was a quality control coach for the New York Giants. I mean, that's the type of staff that they had that Coach Nagy's trying to, to put together in Chicago is what, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles had back then, what, the, you know, Eagles had in 17, you know, those type of things Coach Reed has. And that's what Coach Nagy knows. And, and that's a really good thing. I mean, that's a really impressive tree that, you know, they, that, that they're all a part of. And um, that's something you really want to be a part of for sure. All right, Big John, we're going to let you go. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, things are busy right now, but uh, good to have you in Chicago. We'll be looking forward to seeing you. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on. Have a great night. Enjoy Miami. Enjoy Chicago, and I'll see you guys soon. All right, John Filippo, Flip, the Bears quarterback coach, kind enough to join us here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Back with Tom Thayer in a moment. This segment of Bears All-Access is brought to you by Old Spice. Never let a friend lose his swagger. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer. This is Bears All-Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. Score, excuse me, Big Tom, as we get you set. Uh, I love listening to the, the John Filippo. by the way. Uh, as I said, getting to know him a little bit uh, during Super Bowl week. I uh, talked to him, I think, three different days uh, that year. Just a really well-spoken guy and well thought of as a quarterback coach. Well, I think the offensive team meetings are going to be, there's going to be so much more experience that's going to be included in the conversations. Whether you're making adjustments against an opponent, one of these assistant coaches have already seen, or just familiarity with what the style they're trying to run against you. So I do think the preparation conversations inside those offensive meeting rooms on Monday nights, Tuesdays, and throughout the course of the regular season weeks, I, I think it would be you know, fun to you know, be a fly on the wall. All right. It'll be fun to hear uh, everybody's uh, collaboration when, when the time comes, uh, when they're allowed to have contact with players and whatnot, and, and to get more uh, out of this uh, in terms of what their plan is and so forth. So it's something to look forward to. Uh, guys are already looking forward to next season. Tom, I uh, had a chance to uh, visit with Eddie Pinheiro and Patrick O'Donnell here at the Super Bowl. Obviously, they live in the area, West Palm Beach for uh, Patrick and, and Miami born and bred for Eddie Pinheiro. He had his whole family here. And uh, they're excited about having the game in their backyard. They're, they're big football fans, first and foremost. And uh, just excited to, uh, you know, let, let the NFL come to Miami once again. So here's a little interview I did with him earlier today. It feels good to be back home, finally being able to put my tank top on and the sandals and uh, walk the beach. feels great. Yeah, is that your thing? Do you like walking the beach? That's my thing. I got the tank top on, the sun lotion. <laughs> I love it. St- speaking Spanish with all my friends, that's the best. I think the sandal thing has stopped you in Chicago. I know it's some 30-degree days where you kept the sandals on. I know you were trying to bring a little Miami up north, but got it. Got to bring the swag back. Keep the focus small, as they like to say. Was that difficult to do as a rookie? Um, I mean, I gained, I feel like I gained a lot of experiences here. I mean, just, you know, I was talking to Pat about it, just, you know, working with the wind and the cold. And so it was a, it was very new for me um, in college. I kicked always in, you know, good weather. So just gaining experience, I think, was the biggest thing. And how about you? How have you evolved over the course of your career? I think it's, uh, 
using Soldier Field to your advantage. You know, when the opposing team comes in, they, they can't sleep at night. They're worried about the grass, the wind, you know, if it's going to snow, the weather, things like that. So I think using Soldier Field to your advantage, um, I know there's been two games where two different kickers had, had tough games and, you know, they came in and have a job the next week. So Soldier Field isn't always friendly to everybody, but I think using that uh, home field advantage is really important for us. You know, early in your career, did you have your own sleepless nights about some games? because of Soldier Field. No, absolutely. You know, being a young player at Soldier Field, uh, you just have to adapt as quickly as you can. I think pulling out different uh, tricks of the trade, you know, different balls, different kicks, you know, not every ball is going to be like you're kicking in Miami. It's not going to be 75 and sunny. You know, you're going to have your crosswind 15, 20 miles an hour, and you just try to get the ball to the sideline. 45-yard fair catch balls are not going to hurt you in Soldier Field. So it's a little different a strategy when you go into a Soldier Field versus, you know, a warmer climate. Yeah, we're with Eddie Pinheiro and Patrick. Patrick O'Donnell on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Bears All Access. Jeff Joniak down here. My 24th Super Bowl in a row, fellas. Can you imagine? I've covered more Super Bowls than your age. That's for sure. Right? How old are you? 24. Just turned 24. <laughs> that makes me, makes me very old. Eddie. He's still looking young, though. That's yeah. all that matters. Thank you, Thank you Eddie. I, I appreciate it. Uh, but it, it, it's always fun for me because of this. You, you hear the stories. You hear how guys got to where they are, the journeys. What, what does it mean here, though, to you be a part of this now? You were, you've played your college ball here, obviously, both of you guys did, but to be hosts, you know, you got a lot of a lot of guys in the league that are coming. You probably have teammates coming or friends or guys you grew up with that are, I don't know, are there any in the game that you grew up with on these two teams? Uh, not for me, no. no. I, uh, Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs. I went to school with him at Cincinnati, you know, before I transferred to University of Miami. Uh, so it's cool to see that, you know, he worked so hard to get where he's at. Uh, he's been through through it all in his career and college career. So in order for him to get to this point, you know, the pinnacle um, is, is awesome. Is awesome. So I wish him nothing but the best. And obviously Robbie on the other side, you know, playing with two guys like that that worked so hard to get to this point. Um, hopefully it'll be a day when we're at this point and whatever we can do, you know, reach out to them, you know, if you need restaurants or anything I can do to help them. Does it feel good to come from an area that where football is important? I know the league likes to come here for the sunshine, but there's just a great history of football. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for the Hispanic community too, I think it's a, it's a pretty cool feeling. I mean, <clears throat> you know, all my friends, you know, that i grown up with here, that I lived in Miami, that are all Hispanics, Colombians, Venezuelans, Argentinians, they all know about the NFL, so it's a pretty cool feeling, you know, to bring all that back in my hometown and, then, and you know, the Super Bowl is here in, in where I was born and raised, so it's pretty cool. Did you have ever dreamed this, you know, growing up as a kid, that one day you might get a chance to do this? Yeah, um, you know, my biggest dream growing up was obviously to play soccer and be a professional soccer player and be better than my dad. My dad was a professional soccer player, so my goal was, you know, I got to be better, got to be better. And then, you know, my life changed, and now it's switched. And, you know, now hopefully one of my goals is, you know, one day to, you know, make it to the Super Bowl and win it all. So You're making your rounds here on Radio Road today, and uh, your brother is, what, 14? 14, yeah. He, he looks bigger than you already. Yeah. So I don't know what his line of path is, what he's going to wind up doing. Maybe he'll be an offensive lineman. For sure. 23. Drive coming soon for sure. Uh, is he does he play sport? Yeah, he plays soccer and he fights MMA so and he kicks field goals so oh, okay. he does three different kicks things field goals and kicks tail. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. What attracted him to MMA? 
Um, I, I think, you know, growing up as a kid, he actually got bullied growing up as a kid. So my dad actually uh, wanted him to start learning how to defend himself because he was too nice. He was always the biggest guy in class, but he would let, you know, people take advantage of him because, you know, he was just a nice kid. So my dad said enough is enough. He put him in uh, in some UFC and now he's kicking butt. So oh, that's <laughs> tough love right there, Patty. Oh, he, you, you could hire him as your bodyguard. You can walk him around here. Who's that, Eddie or his brother? <laughs> I guess that's a choice. <laughs> Eddie's been doing a lot of curls on South Beach last <laughs> time I've seen him, so he's walking around with his flip-flops and tank top. So, right, fellas, uh, on a serious note, what is your off-season plan now? Uh, I know you spent a lot of time with kicking clinics and stuff like that. You, it's a brotherhood, so you guys all work on different things. I don't know if you guys are going to work. What, what's your plan to get ready for 2020? Yeah, so we're going to you know watch the Super Bowl, you know, enjoy a little bit of February, and probably get back to work you know, the end of February, March, March 1st. That's usually when a lot of guys start picking it up. They get back to the weights and things like that. So we have a place down south here at Bomberitos. So uh, Eddie being so close to me, we take advantage and do as much work as we can together. So it's seamless when we get back up to Chicago. Yeah, we're uh, like we did last offseason. I mean, we work together, just um, create that chemistry and just be ready when we go back and uh, work at that facility facility where we get you know good treatment and you know we lift and do different things to get our body right to uh, to be ready for the season so you know, honestly i mean you're a few years younger than than our, our friend here o'donnell but are you guys hanging out now i mean you guys are doing things together you, you're running in the same circles what are we what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> the same circles yeah you know we're in the same circle yeah eddie calls me he's like my boy can you please take me out to dinner tonight please and it's like i got my family in town i can't no i'm just kidding yeah we hang he's out quite a few a more paychecks yeah. than you so yeah, yeah. Pick up the Pat, Pat got a new house, so he's been acting different now since he got a new house. So hopefully hopefully I get that invitation soon. I'll be waiting for it. Uh, before we let you go, is there that feeling in the locker room that you guys left 2019 with uh, of resolve? Are you already hearing it from your teammates? Like, we got to get this right. I think the last game of the season was big for us. You know, we wanted to make a statement, and we went out. And uh, we won the game. So I think that we're going to carry that over into uh, the 2020 season. And, you know, we need to get it going. We need to get this jump started right off the bat next year. And I think everybody feels the same way. And that's been the heartbeat in the locker room thus far. So. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, which is showing, I mean, obviously we didn't have the season we wanted to have, but showing everybody that we don't quit. You know, winning that last game was, you know, an eye-opener for everybody that we're not going to quit, you know. And, um, and you know, hopefully we, ha- we have higher expectations for this season coming up. So. Gentlemen, appreciate you stopping by. Enjoy the rest of your week, and thanks for having us down here. Thanks for having us, Joniak. Don't forget the sunscreen. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, that's good advice, right? Uh, but you know, you sun can really lotion, feel... as Eddie says. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you feel they're they have good camaraderie already? Those two. Well, yeah, they you know teammates will, and they and it'll continue throughout life. You kind of develop a relationship that lasts longer than the sport itself. But I think it's good that a guy like Eddie, because Patrick's been around now for a while, that has exposed to the success of the Super Bowl. Because Eddie Pinheiro, he had no pressure on him when he came to the Bears at the beginning of last season. Eddie Pinheiro has a lot more pressure on him this year than he did last year because nothing was expected of him. And then when he made the team, it was all trial and error throughout the course of the season. And then he finished on a high note. I think you said this final 11 kicks he's made. But now that pressure is is increased on and Eddie and he's got to come in here and if the Bears are going to turn it around it's not only going to be the offense the defense the special teams are going to be included as just as much and 
the performance of the kicker, as we've seen throughout the season, is going to count on wins and losses at the end of the year. So it's interesting that you put it in that perspective because many would say that they, that he did have a lot of pressure, just the whole process and whatnot. But you are right. With every every step forward in your career, it's just perceived. It's it's more than perceived. It is actual pressure because you gotta you gotta maintain and get better. And you know, too, is like Patrick says, you've got to start using the weapon you have in Soldier Field to your advantage. When you talk to the opponents, kickers and punters, you got to tell them how bad the conditions are, how the footing is awful. But you're just going to be making this up. This has got to be turned into a weapon on behalf of the Bears in the in the surface and the conditions at Soldier Field. All right, we're going to take another break. Coming up in just a short while, we'll be joined by Dan Pompey. And this is Bears All Access from Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Back with you from Miami, Tom Thayer in Chicago at The Score Studios. And this is Bears All Access presented by IGS Energy. Good to have you alongside. Awaiting Dan Pompey in our next segment. And this segment of Bears All Access brought to you by CDW. People to get it. Learn more at CDW.com. Uh, Tom, you, you can't escape it, uh, the Kobe Bryant death and uh, the passing of his daughter and, and the horrible crash certainly is, has been the undertone of the first couple of days here. You walk around Radio Row and almost every conversation on talk radio throughout the country and, frankly, across the world is, is about Kobe, and it's certainly expected. Um, and it probably will continue for a little bit this week before the end of the week kicks in and the focus becomes on the game. But, you know, for a lot of, I'd say early 30, mid-30-year-olds who were probably 12, 15 years old during the time post-Michael, it, it was Kobe that, that took their attention and they became attached to him. I'm talking about athletes and just, you know, just everybody out there. You know, it, it's kind of hard to ignore the relationship between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant because – Fortunately, I had a chance to go to a lot of Michael Jordan games. And whether he was on TV or I got to see him in person, he was probably the most impressive prepared figure in sports that I've had a chance to be around, both professionally and everything and the way he carried himself and how competitive he was. And so in the back of your mind, I think when you see you're introduced to a guy like Michael Jordan, you always think about who is the guy that's going to be able to carry this torch. And, you know, it's not Shaq and it's not LeBron because they're different body styles than Michael Jordan. Both Kobe and Michael Jordan are listed at 6'6". Michael Jordan at 216, Kobe at 212. And there are so many similarities in the style of game. That's what always impressed me so much about Kobe is because he was able to take the torch from Michael Jordan and continue his greatness, but even elevate it in some aspects of the game. And I'm only talking, I'm not talking about his life. I'm only talking about the game of basketball. And so that was the thing that impressed me most about the the carryover between Michael and Kobe, because um, I think when you're inspired by somebody, like obviously Kobe was of Michael Jordan, what do you do with it? There's guys when I was coming up, I remember John Hanna, the great offensive guard, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And I thought that be an offensive lineman be on the cover of Sports Illustrated was unattainable. But then you see, and then all of a sudden he gives you inspiration because this could be you someday. And I think when we got introduced to Michael Jordan and his just years of superiority, I think Kobe did a great job of, of carrying that NBA torch forward. 
And his post-basketball career was uh, starting off in an unbelievable fashion as well, uh, just the impact he was making uh, to the game and just to, to life in general. You know, you mentioned John Hanna. It was interesting talking with Eric Fisher today because the rare number one pick as an offensive lineman, and he was in 2013, and just all of that coming from Central Michigan where he and Joe Staley are the only first-rounders from that school to be drafted and both happen to be offensive linemen now meeting in Super Bowl 54, but uh, his start was slow, and it was hard, and it's it's a great uh, example of what perseverance takes shape, how you, know, you talk about Raheem Mostert, and his perseverance, but you got to talk about I got Eric Fisher, who's probably playing the best ball of his career now, but it, it wasn't always that way. No one develops at the same career. rate, especially yeah. in professional sport or, or you know, in, in any occupation, but, you know, just talking about football here. And he also said, I said, hey, when did you really get the, 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 the Andy Reid playbook? And he said, you know, probably two, three years. So that's a lesson to be learned, too, as we begin year three of Matt Nagy here in 2020. Coming up next... The Hall of Fame writer Dan Pompey to join us to talk Hall of Fame and the Super Bowl. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with you as we get you set for Super Bowl 54. We'll get Tom's thoughts on things before we get to Dan Pompey. Tony Gonzalez was talking today. Fox had their own media day for all their talent, and he's been doing some fine work there. But the whole conversation, Tom, was about today's tight end, and he feels that if you don't have one of impact, you're not going to the Super Bowl. A guy like Travis Kelsey, a guy like Zach Ertz in Philadelphia, obviously the most recent example, and a, and a guy like, uh, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, George Kittle. Yeah, I agree, you know, because – but it's it's what the tight ends is capable of doing, where they can line up, because there's a variety of spaces. When you look at the Hall of Fame career of Mike Ditka, and he did spread out a little bit from the offensive line and became a little bit of a receiver, introduced a little bit of a receiver into the tight end position. Nowadays, you look at him, Jeff – they're lined up as a wide receiver. They're lined up in a stance next to a tackle. They're in multiple positions in the backfield. They're in motion multiple times throughout the course of the game. So what the tight end position in terms of a receiving tight end has turned into, it's so multidimensional that you can take it, he can be a weapon that you can take advantage of your opponent. And listening to some of the um, – when John DiFilippo was wired up in different spots, he talked about being able to put the weapons in the most advantage of position at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, he's got those weapons here with the Bears, but certainly it is going to be about a development of a tight end eventually. You can help deserving families by donating a gently used winter coat to the Chicago Bears Jeweled Osco Coat Drive at the participating Jeweled Osco locations now through February 28th. Donations benefit the Salvation Army. Joining us on the line now is Dan Pompey from Miami, parts unknown, enjoying his evening already, but kind enough to join a few minutes with us. A busy weekend, as always, for Dan, a whole week, rather, with not only his own work that he's doing and stories, but as a Hall of Fame voter. And uh, it's, it's that way. It's become your tradition, hasn't it, Dan? It has been, Jeff. It's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, of course, Hall of Fame voting now is uh, part of Super Bowl week for me, and it's uh, an important part of the job and something I look forward to and spend a lot of time on throughout the year and take very seriously. 
Hey, Dan, and, you, Dan, you've been around a lot of Super Bowls now. Does Do you look at similarities that could happen between this game that's coming up and some of the ones in the past, or does each Super Bowl have a life of its own? Well, you know, I think there are some things, Tom, that always kind of carry over. I mean, so many times in Super Bowls, I think great quarterbacks carry the day, or at least give their teams the best chance to win. You know, I, I think we often see – uh, you know, uh, uh, great defenses stand up in Super Bowls too, and that's why this game is is really interesting to me because you've got both of those elements uh, on on separate teams. So uh, you wonder which one will end up prevailing. But I think uh, you know when when you've got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who's really special and capable of winning a game late, you have to really respect that. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo from Rolling Meadows, and I was trying to think this through today, and I, I, I broached the idea. I said, I, I don't know if I have my math right on, on times and who won what, but in terms of a Chicago-area kid winning a Super Bowl, uh, I was trying to think who that might be. So, obviously, Donovan McNabb for Andy Reid in Philadelphia did not win. He's from Rolling Meadows. He's got an opportunity to win. And then I realize that Ken Anderson, if you include Batavia, as a, a Chicago area kid, a suburban kid, uh, at some forty-five miles away from Chicago, he did win a you Super might Bowl. Have, you might have to go back to Otto Graham. Last time, <laughs> Chicago not a Super area Bowl kid. though. Not a yeah, Super but, Bowl, but a championship. Yeah, but think about that. Th- that's how rare this is. This opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, very rare, and um, you know it, it's interesting because I think a lot of people think that uh, that team has been carried mostly by hearts other than the quarterback, right? I mean, and it's hard to argue that when you see the formula in the last game, certainly NFC Championship game, uh, when uh, they ran the ball like crazy and scored all their points running and with, with kicking, uh, and obviously their, their defense, you know, that that's their formula for winning. But I think what he's done very well, what he's done all season long, is make key throws when he's had to make them and uh, step up at opportune times, and, you know, when they're in third and long or when they're, in the red zone or, or uh, you know, a critical juncture of the game, two minutes uh, late in the game, he's, he's been there to make the play. Hey, Dan, the losing coach in this Super Bowl, are they going to have a big obstacle to climb over? Because you look at what happened in their Super Bowl history with both of these coaches. You think that's – is that going to be a, maybe a haunting topic after the game to see how it follows them around? Well, given their history, you know, it could be because, of course, Kyle Shanahan had the uh, disastrous uh, moments in his previous Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator with the Falcons. And Andy Reid has got this incredible history as a head coach. He's accomplished everything you could possibly accomplish except win a Super Bowl. And, of course, he had one opportunity when he was with the Eagles, and it didn't happen there. So I think, you know, that that will be a talking point for whomever loses, especially it will be amplified if, uh, you know, th- there are some questionable uh, play calls or, or decisions or, or uh, uh, you know, th- that sort of thing, I think, is going to really stick with these guys if it happens. I-, I know you've written about it, you've talked about it, but uh, looking back again at the, the special Hall of Fame uh, committee that was put together that you were part of, that Blue Ribbon panel, and, and the election of Jimbo Covert and Ed, the late Ed Sprinkle, um, it must have been a, a great passion for you to, to do this, obviously, to, to study all the candidates. But uh, to, to get Jimbo in there uh, and had Ed Sprinkle's family get to acknowledge this 
at, at some point in their lives was a, a significant moment. Yeah, I think more than anything, Jeff, it was deserved. You know, two guys who really earned it. Um, I think we, we talked about this a little another day on the radio, but, you know, Ed Sprinkle to me is a guy who really started the Bears' great tradition of defense. Um, you know, before he came along, the Bears were known mostly as an offensive team and known for their offensive stars. Now, he played a little on offense, too, but he was mostly a, a defensive player and known for his ability to rush the passer. And um, I think he really kind of gave the Bears this organization, this franchise, uh, an identity that has lasted uh, from the 1940s on. And uh, he, he really was a special player, you know, a number of, of players that played against him during that era uh, had said at the time that he was the most difficult player in the league for them to, to go against on a regular basis. In terms of Jimbo, of course, uh, you know, he's a guy that we all uh, watched, unlike Ed Sprinkle, and a guy who we all saw dominate uh, the very best opponents that he went against. Uh, uh, went against 17 Hall of like 17 games, I should say, against Hall of Fame pass rushers and held them to four and a half sacks. Uh, and, you know, was a critical part of the great run game of, of, uh, uh, of the Bears uh, in the 1980s, even after Walter Payton left, you know, with Neil Anderson. And um, it really was, was just a, a very important player, I thought, to, uh, to those Bears teams. So glad to see two guys who deserve to get in. Dan, you sat there on the sidelines and you watched Jimbo Covert either in practice and games and you see his dominance. But when you're trying to learn information about a guy like Ed Sprinkle, maybe with a lack of video or because the reputation that I've always been introduced to Ed Sprinkle is being the toughest man that's played for George Hallis. So when you have one that's so obvious and in front of you, then the other one you have to learn about. How do you go about learning about the, the football life of Ed Sprinkle? It's a good question, and it's a challenge. You know, it's one of the problems that we have. Uh, you know, I'm on the senior committee for the Hall of Fame. When you talk about guys who played uh, before we were born or, or we really had a chance to, to study guys who uh, played in an era when statistics were not kept the way they are now, you know, we don't have the same measures. So um, I think you have to really go back and uh, use everything at your disposal, uh, which, you know, is – uh, a lot of uh, looking through uh, different newspaper articles that were written at the time, anything you can get about uh, what was said, books. Um, you know, there was, there were, I got some good things out of books on him, uh, some old books, some newer books even, about uh, interviews that were done throughout the years about his play. Um, I think, you know, one of the other benefits of this committee is that uh, the, the Blue Ribbon Committee is that we had some people on it who uh, some of them are in the Hall of Fame as talent evaluators. Uh, some of them are, are uh, currently in the game as coaches and, and evaluators. And these guys uh, were able to access some of the old tape. And uh, they, they said that the tape on Sprinkle was, was unbelievable, that he just jumped off the, 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 uh, the field in terms of a guy who was making an impact all over the place. So uh, to me, that, that carried a lot of weight to hear those guys say that. All right, Dan, good luck this week uh, with the Hall of Fame committee's uh, selections, and thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks, Thank you, Dan. My pleasure.
That's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Thanks again to SiriusXM for their facilities here at the Super Bowl. For Julio Arceus, Mike Chen, John Filippo, the Bears' new quarterback coach, Eddie Pinheiro, and Patrick O'Donnell and Dan Pompey. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. That's going to do it here from Miami tonight on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.